Welcome to the Queen City Church Podcast. We're so excited that you decided to join us, and we wanted to personally welcome you. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our goal is that this message will encourage you and give you practical steps for a relationship with God that keep getting better and better. Enjoy the message. Hey, if you have your Bibles, turn to uh, John chapter 17. Uh, I'm going to actually give you two passages to turn to, okay? I, I know I'm remixing it a little bit today. Uh, John chapter 17 is the first one we'll be in, so, so be there first. And then if you want to put a marker uh, in Psalm 133, we're going to be there a little bit later in the message. But I'd love for you to turn to both those passages. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one. Um, we, 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 love, we love Bibles and uh, we love giving Bibles away. And we actually have a whole bunch of Bibles to give to you if you don't have one and you would like one. If you go to our info area in the lobby, uh, you just ask somebody and they'll, they'll give it to you. They're already paid for uh, by the generous giving of people at this church. And so uh, you can go ahead and to, to go grab one of those if you want. So John chapter 17 and Psalm 133. We're, we're in the final week of this series that, that we're calling We Refuse to Live Life Alone. And that's really like a big kind of statement that we say around here. It's, it's really a part of our culture as a church. So maybe you're, you're, you're new to our church or maybe, you, maybe even today is your very first time. This statement, we refuse to live life alone is something that we've been trying to weave in the fabric of our church for really the first 58 weeks of our church because it's a really big deal. And so this series is talking all about relationships and the importance and the necessity of the relationships that we have in our life and friendships and community and how important that is. And in Genesis chapter two, verse 18, it's actually our theme verse for this series. And it says this, that it is not good. It's not good for the man to be alone. And this is actually the very first time in the Bible that God says something is not good. And he says that the very, the very first thing that's not good is being alone. And by the way, this has nothing to do with personality types. So e yes, even introverts, it's not good for you to always be alone. Um, and that was the first thing that God said that wasn't good because God never designed life to be lived alone. In fact, like he hardwired us for relationships and community and connection with each other. But even though that we're wired that way, one of the things about this series is that even though that's not how he's designed us to live, we still have a choice whether or not we live life alone or not. And what I found after 20 years of following Jesus, that so many things about living for God is actually a choice. That it's not just like what I feel all the time. Because I'm gonna be honest, there's times where I don't feel like doing certain things. But I don't know about you, but I don't wanna be led by my feelings. No, like choices lead and feelings are gonna follow. So no matter if I feel like it, you know what? I'm gonna still choose to live for God. No matter if I feel like it, I'm still gonna choose to be able to follow Jesus in every area of my life. No matter what, I'm gonna do relationships the way that God tells, no matter what, no matter if I feel it or not, I'm refusing to live life alone. Man, I'm gonna be preaching about three minutes up into this message. But today, I wanna to talk about like one of the most important choices that we can make um, that really I, I believe has the potential to not only change our lives, but to change really like our city and our world. I think, but it's gonna be a choice. 
And, um, and so we're, we're talking about a very, very, very important choice today. And so we're going to start actually in John chapter 17. And we're going to read a few verses and then we're going to pray. And then we're going to dive into it. John chapter 17, we're going to start in verse 20. And this is Jesus talking. In fact, this is Jesus praying. And he says this in verse 20. He prays this. He says, I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me. So by the way, if you're here and you've ever made the decision to follow Jesus, he's praying for you right here. And he says this, I, like to pray for, for whoever will believe in me through their message, I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us so that the world will believe that you have sent me. Verse 22 says, I have given them the glory that you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. And I love this sentence. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you have sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. So today, if you're taking notes in this last week of we refuse to live life alone, we're gonna talk about a choice and we're gonna talk about the choice of this, uncommon unity, uncommon unity. Let's pray, God, we love you, we thank you, we invite you to hang out with us today. We don't wanna go through motions. And God, I just ask that you speak to us. We really, we don't need to hear from a preacher. We don't need to hear from a man. We need to hear from you. And so God, I pray that right now you open up heaven over this auditorium. And that as you open up heaven over this, God, we open up our hearts. And I pray with open heavens and open hearts that we'll be able to receive from you today. And so God, we love you. We thank you, God. I just pray that you just speak to us in such real powerful ways. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody said, Amen, amen. Let's talk about uncommon unity. Um, how many of you um, like it when people pray for you? How many just like, like it, there's something about it. Like you just, man, you, you really like it. I think even if you're not the praying type, I think there's something about when somebody says that, hey, you know what I'm praying for? It just feels great. I love it. In fact, if you want to add me to your prayer list, you can pray for me every single day. I'll take every single prayer that you got. I'll take them all. It just makes me feel so special. In fact, I claim every God bless you after sneezing. Like if I sneeze and somebody says, God bless you, I'm like, yep, I got it. That's, that's right. God does bless me. He blesses me, blesses my family, blesses the church, blesses like, I just, I claim it for you. Uh, if you're a part of this church, like, yes, like I, I may be fake sneeze again, so maybe somebody will give me another one. Uh, I just claim, I claim all of them. I love it. Um, like when somebody just, when somebody tells me or they text me, I just wanted you to know that I'm praying for you. I'm like, oh, oh, that is so nice. Thank you so much. That just means the world to me. Uh, I hope I get a lot of those this week. Just people like, I'm praying for you. Uh, thank you. That's awesome. Like you are, that's great. I feel so loved. I feel so cared for. Uh, I love it. And the Bible says that in John chapter 17, that Jesus prays for you. The Bible says that Jesus, the son of God, who was there in creation, that he prays for you. 
And this is Jesus just hours before he would be arrested and put on trial and beaten and mocked and crucified on a cross. And he's praying, but do you know, do you know what he's praying about? He's praying about you. And he's praying about me. And he's praying about the church. And out of all the things that he could be praying for us, think about this, all the things that he could be praying for you and I, he prays that we would be unified. Let's go back to it. John chapter 17, verse 21. It says, I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Another translation puts it this way, that the goal is for all of them to become one heart and mind. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, so they might be one heart and mind with us. But he just doesn't pray for just unity. Did you catch what type of unity that he prays for us to have? Jesus literally prays that we would have the same type of unity that he shares with God. And here's why that's so important. Because God himself exist in a very uncommon unity. You see, God is three in one. He is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The theological term for that is the Trinity. And that's the type of unity that Jesus prays for us to have with each other. That is a unity that is not normal. That is, a, that is a unity that is not like the most like common thing in the world. That is an uncommon unity. And let me make this clear right from the jump that unity is not uniformity. It's not all looking the same, sounding the same, fitting a certain mold, just passively agreeing so that we can avoid conflict and have peace no matter what, just that. Like, like unity does not mean uniformity. Unity does not eliminate diversity. In fact, the most beautiful description of the church that I've ever heard is this right here. It's that church is unity in diversity. I love that description of the church. It's unity in diversity. See, Jesus calls us to more than just getting along or just tolerating each other's differences. In fact, I wrote this down in my journal that tolerance is JV, unity is varsity. And see, like, that's the type of what he's calling us here in John chapter 17. And so when he says in John chapter 17, verse 23, that may they experience such perfect unity, that that word translated unity in English, in the original Greek, it literally means one. And so let, let, me, let me show you the, the, let me just try to paint a picture of what Jesus is saying here. So just imagine that, that these two things represent just people. And when he says, I pray that they would just experience perfect unity, that they would become one, that it's not just that we just line up and we just agree to agree. And it's just, okay, we're just gonna line up with each other, and, but at any time we can split, at any time we can divide again, at any time we can not be connected, and it's not just, just agreeing. It's not just lining up with each other. Rather, it's like if you took those same exact two pieces 
And somebody actually last night, Steve, thank you for doing this. He welded these two pieces together, the same exact pieces. And he took time to weld those together. And so when he says, I pray that they have perfect unity, which in the original language translates one. It's not that just we line up. It's like we're welded together. And that we're so connected that if somehow, if you tried to separate these, that there's no way that you could do it without hurting or damaging each one. And that's the type of unity that Jesus is describing in John chapter 17. This is the type of unity that Jesus prays for you and I to experience this uncommon unity, this one heart, one mind. So let me give you three points about uncommon unity. Here's point number one, that uncommon unity must be pursued. It must be pursued. That type of unity that Jesus prayed for will not come naturally. It doesn't just happen by accident. It takes work. It takes effort. It takes intentionality. You have to pursue that type of unity. But if Jesus prayed for it, I've just made a decision. I'm going to pursue it. And in Ephesians chapter 4, listen to what it says in verse 1 through 3. It says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. And then he describes what that looks like. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. And then it says this, make every effort, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And I wrote down this truth that we will never drift to unity, ever. We will never just drift, that left to our own natural leans, that, we'll, that we won't ever drift towards unity, that we'll just drift towards division. If we won't drift towards selflessness, we'll drift towards selfishness. And if you don't believe me, why don't you just ask any married couple if after they got married, they just drifted towards being very selfless. All the married people really just laughed. <laughs> like, no, no. Right, right now, uh, my wife and I, we, we lead a small group of, uh, shout out to my small group here. Is anybody in from my small group here? No, they don't go to church? Okay. Oh, cool. There's some people. Cool. Um, we actually lead, we lead, we lead a, like a pre-marriage group, like, like for, for couples that are engaged um, right now. And, um, and it's, it's so fun because they're so in love and they have no clue what, what they're about to experience. No clue. No clue. Because <laughs> it's like, you know, hey, we, like we love each other and it's great. We're pursuing each other. We got engaged and now we're going to get married and we're going to live happily ever after. And it's just going to be amazing every single day. And it's just that that's just like we don't drift towards that. Like we, we just it's, it's like you wake up and you're like, what are you doing? And it's. It's like you don't even realize how selfish you are until you get married. And then you don't really realize how selfish you are until you have kids. Come on, parents, can I get a good amen in church? Because we never drift towards that. We'll never drift towards selflessness. We'll never do that. Like, and so like this uncommon unity, it must be pursued. And this is a big deal around here. In fact, one of our 10 values, which for us is kind of like our DNA is our church. It answers the question, what makes us uniquely us? 
And one of our 10 values as a church is actually this, is that unity is our pursuit, which means that we want to be people who pursue unity with every single person in every single area of our life. That means we're gonna pursue unity with our families and our spouse and our kids and our friends and our coworkers and our roommates at church. We're gonna pursue unity every single place that we go. It also means that we will pursue unity with every single church in the city. That means we're, like, we're always gonna honor we're always going to celebrate. We're always going to speak well because we realize that we are on the same team. Like literally when I think about this, it's like we have the same jersey on the front. The back's just different. We're on the same team. And so we're going to honor and we're going to celebrate and we're going we're gonna to pursue unity because I can tell you this right now. I'm praying for revival and a move of God in this city like never before. And here's what I believe with all my heart. That's not going to happen by one church growing. That's gonna happen by every single church reaching its full potential. And so like, so unity, it's gonna be our pursuit. Now here's the question, what would it look like for you to pursue unity in your everyday life? What would that look like? What would it look like for you to make the decision today and say, you know what, in every single area of my life, I'm gonna to choose to pursue this uncommon unity that Jesus is calling us to live and that he prayed for. Maybe it's just seeking to understand where somebody is coming from. Instead of trying to win arguments, instead of trying to do that, I'm just gonna just listen. And I'm gonna seek to understand where somebody's, maybe it's sitting down with somebody who looks different than you and going out to coffee and saying, hey, will you just let me know what it's like to be in your shoes? Maybe that's what it looks like for you to pursue unity. Maybe it's refusing to gossip at work or anywhere. Maybe it's that I refuse to kind of have the water cooler talk or to throw shade on anybody. Yeah. Then I'm not gonna sit there and throw shade on my bosses or my coworkers, or I'm not, not gonna try to do that to, to climb the corporate ladder. That what I can do is that, no, I, I, can, I can pursue unity even in my workplace that I can do that. Maybe it's having a crucial conversation with somebody rather than letting problems go unsolved. See, because a lot of times I think that we think that pursuing unity means, oh, there's a problem. Let's just not have that just for the sake. Let's just have peace where it's no. Pursuing unity means you'll have a crucial conversation and not just let a problem go unsolved. Some of you have frustrations that you've had for months because you won't pursue that conversation. Here's what I believe. I say this all the time to our team, that two chairs and a closed door can do a whole lot of good in people's lives. Two chairs and a closed door, let's sit down, let's make sure that we sit and we talk and we get on the same page and we're not coming out of this room till we're moving forward together. Me moving forward without you is not an option. I'm pursuing unity and so we're gonna get on the same page and move forward together. So maybe it's, it's just praying through that and saying, you know what, I'm no longer gonna sweep things under the rug. Parents, maybe it's sitting down and talking and praying together with your spouse through some family values, just like we have values as a church. See, my wife and I, we've done this. It's been a game changer for how we lead our family. In fact, we have, I, I, I took a picture of this. This is in our home. It's not just art, by the way. My wife made that. She got skills, okay? She's amazing. 
But we sat down years ago, probably like six, seven years ago, and we sat down like really once we started having kids, we're like, what are the values that make up our, our, our home? What are the ways that, that we want to be able to lead our kids and to lead our families? And so we, we wrote those down. And that, that, that's like for us and our family, that's, that's what we say. Like, like for us, we want to follow Jesus. We want to lead people and serve others. And we're contributors, not just consumers. We refuse, hey, how about that, to live life alone. That we are generous. We call it in our family number five. So we could have just called this series number five. Um, We are generous. We're faithful with small things. We choose to honor. We speak life and we eat cookies. That's like our version of YOLO. You know, it's like we're going to have some fun. We're going to eat some cookies. And can I tell you the gift that this has been for our family? Because it's made my wife and I unified in how we raise our kids. It's made us unified. We've pursued unity in our home by having that. And maybe that's what it looks like to do that. Maybe it's getting all your roommates together. I'm about to preach right here. Get all your roommates together to talk through chore responsibilities. I met some, some of y'all live with like 13 people. And you know somebody's not pulling their weight. And some of you are like, I do the dishes all the time. And you've even made the decision, passively, aggressively, I am not going to do the dishes until somebody does it. And the bugs come, and your frustration level rises, and then you go and you wash the dishes. Stop it. Call a meeting. Pursue some unity. And say, come on, we're going to talk. Who's taking out the trash? Come on, who's going to have the trash ministry? Who's going to have the, the dishes ministry? The vacuum ministry. Okay, I want to challenge um, some, if you consider yourself young, listen up. Some of you, you put yourself in a category, okay? If you're, if you're, you're a young person in here, maybe for you it looks like pursuing a relationship with some of the, I'm not going to say older, I'm going to say seasoned and experienced people in our church. Maybe that's what it looks like for you to pursue unity. Um, because there's some people in this room that have so much wisdom and experience and leadership and maturity that you need. And I'm telling you, your life would be better with them in it. Don't wait for them to come to you. You go to them. And I'm going to challenge the, the, the more seasoned, experienced crowd in here too that maybe you need to pursue relationship with the younger people in our church. I'm telling you, God has you here for a purpose. And that they need, they need, there's younger people in our church right now that need spiritual mothers and fathers to come alongside them, put their arm around them, to tell them that you believe in them. In fact, younger people, can I get an amen that that's something that you would love? Because I'm telling you, Their life will be better with you in it, but also your life will be better with them in it. Don't wait for them to come to you. You go to them. So what would it look like for you to pursue uncommon unity that Jesus prayed for us to have? Yes, I promise you, it's going to take some work. It's going to take effort, but it's totally worth it. And here's why. Point number two, uncommon unity commands a blessing. It commands a blessing. That's why it's so worth it. 
Psalm 133, starting in verse one, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. And wouldn't you say that in every relationship? Isn't it so much better? Isn't it good and it's pleasant? And then it says this, and I'll explain this verse. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. And you're like, what in the world does that mean? Well, Aaron is Moses' brother. He's the first priest in the Old Testament. In the Bible, oil always represents things like healing. It always represents wealth, but it always, every single time, represents the Holy Spirit. And what I believe this scripture is saying is saying that that type of unity is only possible by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then it says this in verse three, it is as if the dew of Hermon we're falling on Mount Zion. Let me explain that because Mount Hermon is the tallest mountain in Israel and it's snow capped most of the year. And when that snow melts, it runs down the mountain and it becomes the Jordan River, which provides water for the entire nation of Israel. This fresh water that really makes the whole nation come alive. And what I believe that that says is that it shows that how important it is for unity to come from the top down. And then it says this, for when life looks like that, when you experience that type of unity, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. And another translation says this, yes, that's where that, where that is, where unity is, that's where God commands the blessing. See, uncommon unity, it commands a blessing. And I don't know about you, but I wanna be blessed in every single area of my life. I do. I want to be blessed in every single area of my life. I want my marriage to be blessed. So I'm going to pursue unity with my wife. I want my family to be blessed. So I'm going to pursue unity with every single person in my family, my kids, my, my sister that's right there. I'm going to pursue unity with my parents. I'm going to pursue unity with every single person in my family because I want it to be blessed. I want my friendships to be blessed. So I'm going to pursue unity with my friends. I want my career and my job to be blessed. And so I'm going to pursue unity with my boss and my coworkers and my teammates. I want, I want our church to be blessed. So I'm going to, be, I'm going to pursue unity with each and every person that, that comes to our church. I want our decisions as a church to be blessed. And so I'm going to pursue unity with our leadership team and our overseers that provide spiritual leadership and financial oversight for our church. You can learn more about that today actually in Growth Track if you go check that out. But I'm pursuing unity with them. On every, there's no person that's sitting there saying, I'm gonna make this decision on an island. No, we're pursuing unity. Why? Because I want our church to be blessed. I want the capital C church. I'm talking about the whole church, not just our church, but the church to be blessed in our city. So you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna pursue unity with every single pastor and church in the city. Listen, I believe that the devil is not afraid of a big church, but he is afraid of a unified church. See, uncommon unity commands a blessing. And then point number three, write this down. Uncommon unity is attractive. It's attractive. Go back to John 17, verse 23. May they experience such perfect unity, that oneness, that the world will know. That's the consequence. That's the effect of that type. The world will know that you have sent me 
and that you love them as much as you love me. In other words, that type of unity, that type of oneness is attractive. It's a magnet. People are drawn to it. John chapter 13, verse 34, it says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Listen, our love and our unity is a megaphone to the world. And I want our church to be a church that pursues uncommon unity to where the world looks up and notices and demands an explanation. See, since the beginning of our church, I've prayed every single day for a unified church that looks like heaven. And if you wanna take a look at what that is, check out Revelation chapter seven. Like we're not just a church for older people or younger people or middle-aged people. We're not just a church for black people or white people or Latino people or Asian people. We're not just a church for rich people or poor people. By the grace of God, we are going to be a unified church that's diverse racially, socioeconomically, and generationally, a church for all people. It may be abnormal, but there's nothing inside of me that wants to be a part of something normal. And there's nothing inside of me that wants to be part of a normal church. It may be hard, but I know it's not impossible. And we may fall short from time to time, but we're never going to stop pursuing that uncommon unity. So uncommon unity must be pursued. Uncommon unity commands a blessing and uncommon unity is attractive. Now today, I thought it'd be cool if we ended a little bit different today than normal. Um, Because here's why. I want to make sure that we make it clear what unifies us. Like what makes us one? What is the connector that connects us so strongly? Like what makes us one? Because even though we're diverse, even though we have different stories and different backgrounds and different perspectives, we by grace are one in Christ. And in fact, in Galatians chapter three, verse 28, it says, for you are all one. And this is what makes you one in Christ Jesus. You're all one in Christ Jesus. And the reality is, is that we've all sinned. We've all made mistakes. We've all missed the mark. And that sin, it divides us from God. But in the greatest act of unity, Jesus died on a cross and he paid for our sins, something that we could never do for ourselves. And Jesus went the distance and he did whatever it took to make sure that we could be right with God. And I wrote this down in my, in my notes this week that we can pursue uncommon unity with each other because Jesus first pursued uncommon unity with us. Because he went first, we can follow that example. Because he led the way, he has the moral authority that when he can pray for that, we can actually live it. And that we can pursue uncommon unity with each other 
because Jesus first pursued uncommon unity with us. And so we wanna celebrate that by taking communion together. But before we do that, before we take communion together, something that's really big around here is that we never wanna have a moment where we gather together, where we don't give you an opportunity to make the most important decision of your life, the decision to follow Jesus. Because before we want to take communion as a family, maybe you need to say, I wanna be a part of that family. And so we wanna give you that opportunity right before we take communion. So if you would, will you bow your head and close your eyes? And just right here, we always like to, right here, just ask God, God, what are you speaking to me? What are you speaking to me? What's a response that I need to make because of me being here today? And maybe you're here and you don't have a relationship with God. Maybe you've never said yes to Jesus and you find yourself here and you feel so far from God and you need a fresh start. Here's the great thing. You are one sincere, heartfelt prayer away from everything changing. And we never wanna miss an opportunity to give you the opportunity to make the decision, whether it's for the very first time or whether you're making a fresh commitment to follow Jesus. And we're not gonna point you out. We're not make you come forward. We're not gonna embarrass you in any way. But today, if you wanna make that decision to follow Jesus, whether it's for the first time, you wanna make a, a, a recommitment to God, but if you're here and you're saying, I need a fresh start, I need to follow Jesus. And if that's you and you wanna receive grace and receive forgiveness today, I'm gonna to ask you on the count of three to raise your hand and we're just gonna pray a prayer together, just a simple prayer together. And I want you to not even hesitate. Eyes are closed, nobody's looking around. It's just a way for you to say, God, today, that's my step. I need to get right with you. I need a fresh start and I need to follow you. And if that's you, I want you to raise your hand on the count of three, one, two, three. Just raise your hand, raise it up high. I got you, I got you. Anybody else? Anybody else? I got you. It's awesome. It's awesome. You can put your hands down. Why don't you pray something like this just in your heart? Just say, Jesus, I love you. I need you. I'm sorry that I've lived my life without you, or that I've tried to do life without you. And today, I don't want to do that anymore. Will you come live inside me? Change me? Will you make me brand new? God, I surrender my whole life to you everything. I give you everything. And today I choose to follow you. We thank you and we love you. And God, we thank you for Jesus. And we thank you for the cross, the greatest act of unity. And in Jesus name, we pray. And everybody said, amen. Come on. Can we clap our hands and celebrate with those that just made that decision? It's awesome. So proud of you. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this message has changed your perspective on God or life, feel free to email your story to info at queencitypeople.com. We'd love to celebrate the change happening in your life. We'd also love to pray for you. If you have any prayer requests, big or small, head over to queencitypeople.com slash prayer and fill out the form with as much detail as you'd like. For more information about Queen City Church's service times, location, or events, visit queencitypeople.com or follow us on social media platforms at Queen City People. 